So we are in the middle of a trial, church. You've all heard about this, I think, and that is, let me, I'll give you some background, give you the big picture. Before COVID, remember that? Before COVID, <clears throat> Grace Church was meeting at the Radisson Blue Hotel right next door, and it was a sweet season uh, meeting there. But when COVID hit, obviously all the hotels were shut down, and so we needed to go and meet at the Evangelical Church, the TEC building on island. And we met there, remember, Saturday afternoons, 4.30. And that went on for a little while. God met us there. God was faithful. God was gracious, poured out his mercy upon us in many, many, many ways, built beautiful relationships, let us reach out to lost people. But we knew that God had called us to be off-island. We knew that it was best for churches to be separated, spread out geographically throughout the city, not all meeting in one place. And so we started praying and pursuing various options. And we pursued a school, which ended up not working out, started talking to the Radisson Blue Hotel again, and God worked some amazing miracles to open up the door so that we were able to move back to the Radisson Hotel. Sunday mornings, 10 a.m., remember what a treat that was, all of a sudden, Sunday mornings. So for four months, we've been meeting on Yaz Island, first at the Radisson, and then when they started doing refurbishing there, we came over here to the Crown Plaza. And it has been glorious here, hasn't it? What a gift. God has met us. He's so faithful to pour worship out upon us and to help us meet new brothers and sisters and grow to love Christ even more as a church. And the number of you who are new to us uh, shows how much we need churches spread out geographically throughout the city. Now, we knew that our contract at this hotel was expiring today. We knew that, and so way back we applied for a new six-month contract starting at the Radisson because the refurbishing over there is finished. So we made that application. But this last Tuesday, we were shocked to get the word that our application was denied. Just denied. It wasn't the Radisson's decision. It wasn't the Crown Plaza's decision. It came from one of the department, one of the government departments, and we don't know all their reasons, don't know all the, what they're thinking, but they are thinking that it's best to maybe have churches start to meet only in official church buildings from now on, which would have a massive impact. And uh, would be, well, you know how difficult that would be. No geographical spreading out and so on. Now, we know they have their reasons. We're, we are grateful for the government here. I mean, we're all guests here, right? We are guests. And they do lead this country with wisdom and with benevolence, and with compassion, and with strength. They do a very good job leading this country. And we are here followers of Jesus in a Muslim country, and we get to worship Him freely like we are. And we're grateful for the culture of tolerance that they are seeking to encourage and increase and pursue even more. So we don't know all the reasons that they're thinking. We sure they mean well. They're trying to you know, do, I'm sure, balance many different factors going on, but it's hard news for us very hard news. I was not happy when I got that news. I was not happy at all when I got that news. Very discouraging. 
very troubling. Now, lots of conversations took place last week. We are working on setting up some face-to-face meetings this coming week. We're going to keep praying. So keep watching your email, okay? But unless God works a miracle, which He can do, right, church? But unless He does, and He doesn't always choose to do that, unless He does, next weekend we're returning to the TEC building, the Evangelical Church building, on island. All the slots on Sunday were already filled. Sorry for that. I'm disappointed. All the morning slots Saturday were filled, so the best slot we are targeting is we're back to 4.30 Saturday afternoons at the TEC building. Now, we're hoping this will be temporary. Uh, we're still praying it might not even, maybe it won't even happen, but we're still praying if it does happen this next weekend that it'll be temporary. We can keep talking. We can keep praying. We want to understand what the government's concerns are. What are they seeking to accomplish? Make sure they understand our concerns and then honor them with whatever decision they make. That's our, our passion. So we are hoping this will be temporary, but at this point, it looks like that's what's going to be happening at least next weekend. And in light of this, and I know it's disappointing. I mean, it feels to me like a big setback. We've, we've gained ground, and but the elders thought it'd be wise if we took this Sunday, and let's, let's talk about what does God promise when we face trials. This is a trial. So what is God promising us, Grace Church, as we anticipate this trial, as we go through this trial? This won't just be helpful for us as a church with that issue. This will also be helpful for each of us. Some of you are going through, I'm sure, very difficult trials personally right now. And this will be helpful for you to, okay, what does God promise for this trial that I'm going through as an individual? This will be helpful for us as a church. It will be helpful for you as an individual. This will also be helpful for those of you who are not yet trusting Christ. Because hearing this will help you understand what it would mean for you to go through trials knowing what the God of the universe has promised to do for you through Jesus Christ. Oh, I hope that will make you think, I need to trust Christ and have God as my Father. We hope that's what will happen in your heart. So what does God promise about trials? Let's talk about that. What does He promise for us when we go through heartbreaks, when we go through disappointments, setbacks, difficulties? What does God promise at those times? He promises many things throughout the Bible. I'm going to pick two this morning, two that have been the most impactful. These two are repeated throughout the Bible, but they've deeply impacted me throughout the years, and they have impacted me this week as well. God has met me this week. I know He's met many, many, many of us. What does God promise? Here's the first promise I want to share. The Scriptures teach that trials are part of God's loving plan for us, for His people. They're part of God's loving plan. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. It's an amazing scripture. Paul says, For it has been granted to you. Now that word granted there has the word grace as its root in the Greek language, New Testament written in Greek. It has been granted, graciously granted, mercifully granted to you 
that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake. So this verse is saying that in Christ, God has graciously granted every believer two things. First of all, He's granted that you believe in Him. He's graciously granted that you believe in Christ. God didn't wait for you to put your trust in Christ. The Bible teaches, and we know from our own experience, all of our hearts were so enslaved to sin and to pride that we never would have turned to Christ and trust Him on our own. So He didn't wait for us to trust in Christ. He changed your heart. He granted you to believe. That's why you're believing in Christ. Even your faith was a blood-bought gift which Jesus purchased on the cross, which is why all the glory for our salvation goes to God and what He's done through Christ alone. So God has graciously granted that you believe, but that's not all He's graciously granted you. God has also graciously granted you suffering for Christ's sake. Oh, this is important for us to understand. Some some believe that the closer you are to following Christ, the less trials you'll have. You just don't see that in the Bible. God's precious, beloved saints, He graciously grants suffering to them. Now, you could think that this just refers to persecution, suffering for Christ's sake. Isn't that persecution? And the answer is yes, but it's not just persecution. And the reason I say that is because that exact same phrase, suffering for Christ, is used in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. And notice what sufferings Paul includes in that verse under the category of suffering for the sake of Christ. 2 Corinthians 12, 10. For the sake of Christ, then, there it is, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships. Hardships, that covers pretty much every trial, right? Hardships, persecutions. There's persecutions right there. And calamities. Well, hardships, calamities, that covers everything. So when Paul talks about suffering for the sake of Christ, he's not just talking about persecution. He's talking about every trial, difficulty, disappointment, setback, suffering we face in our lives. So with that in mind, let's read Philippians 1.29 again, just so that we have the big picture of what Paul's talking about here. For it has been granted to you, granted, graciously granted to you, that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake. So Grace Church, what we're experiencing now, this setback, this disappointment, comes under the category of this verse. God has graciously granted this to us. That news we got Tuesday, God has graciously granted this news to us. We don't know what the outcome is going to be, the long-term outcome, we're praying, but at least what happened on Tuesday was a gracious gift to God from us. So what this means is that trials are not bad luck. We don't believe in luck. Remove luck from your vocabulary. It has no relevance whatsoever. God is in charge of everything. Everything. So this isn't, trials aren't bad luck. Trials are not meaningless, random. No, they're always gracious gifts. 
God may remove them when we ask Him to. He may not, but either way, they start off as a gracious gift, which He may allow to stay as a gracious gift, or he might, he might remove when we pray for them, but they are gracious gifts from God. Trials are, let me ask you this, Grace Church, who's been studying Romans 8.1 lately, are trials God's condemning you? <clears throat> Class, okay? Our trials, let me read the verse, right? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Our trials, God's condemning you. No, no, no way. Some might think trials, this is from other people. Other people bring trials, or Satan brings trials, and that might be the case, but God is in sovereign control of other people and of Satan. Trials are gracious gifts from God for his people. Oh, this might be a brand new thought for some of you. So just sit there and sit back, take a deep breath, and ponder this. They're part of God's loving plan for his people, which means that if this decision stands, that all churches need to be meeting in official church buildings, then this is part of God's gracious plan for us as much of a setback as it seems to be. That's what this means. Now again, we're going to continue to pray. Keep praying, church. Keep praying. And we're setting up meetings and we're doing all we possibly can. But understand, if this decision remains, then the Lord is giving this big change to us, at least for a while, as a gracious gift from Him. Now, personally, I do not understand how that could be. How is this a gracious gift? I do not understand, okay? But here's the good news. It's not about what my little pea brain can understand, okay? God understands everything. He knows everything. He's got this all planned out. I mean, think about all the times in the Bible where there are setbacks and then amazing dramatic reversals. Right, things just, just looked hopeless for a time being, and then all of a sudden, whoa, that's what God was thinking all this time. So church, don't worry about the fact that I can't understand it. God does, flawlessly. Deuteronomy 32.4, the rock, his work is perfect. Deuteronomy 32.4, that's where I've been resting. So, trust that this trial and every trial is part of God's loving plan for you. Trust that. That's the first promise. Second promise. God promises that trials will bring us the greatest good. That's shocking. The first one was shocking. The second one is also shocking. Trials will bring us the greatest good. When trials come, and after prayer, it's clear that God is going to allow this trial to remain, that means that this trial is going to bring you, me, whoever's experiencing it, the greatest good. One reason I say that is because of Psalm 8411. This is a beautiful verse. Look at what the psalmist says. For the Lord God is a son and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. Now get this next line. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. 
Woe. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Now, let's be clear on what walking uprightly means. Okay, walking uprightly does not mean being sinless. No one here is sinless. There's only one human being who's ever been sinless, Jesus Christ. Okay, just like any was sharing with us this morning. So what does walking uprightly mean? It means you're trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, your Lord, your treasure. You're trusting Him. It means you love the Scriptures. And it means you're seeking to obey God's Word. You're seeking to obey in every area of your life. So you're, you're, you're fighting against temptation when it comes. You're seeking to be, be motivated to obey Him. And when you stumble, which we do, walking uprightly means you confess that. You acknowledge that. You say, Father, help me. And you get back in and start fighting again. That's walking uprightly. I hope, I hope you're all walking uprightly. You're not clinging to some area of known sin in your life that you're just going to hold on to no matter what. That's not walking uprightly. Walking uprightly doesn't mean you're sinless, but it means you're surrendered. Okay? It's very important. That's walking uprightly. So here's what this means. When, when you're walking uprightly, again, you're not sinless, but you're confessing and you're fighting, you're surrendered. When you're walking uprightly, you can be confident. God is withholding no good thing from you. Nothing. Nothing. Which means that if God has us move back to the TEC building, Saturdays at 4.30, that is a good thing for us. It's good. It's good. It means that out of all the other options that God could have chosen to do for Grace Church, that's what's going to bring us the greatest good is what that means. And that's true for every trial you'll ever face. I mean, think about it. If God withholds no good thing, then if we move this next Saturday, that means in that move, no good thing will have been withheld from us. And if no good thing has been withheld from us, then we have every good thing. We have the greatest good coming to us from that, right? Did you understand that? If, if God promises He withholds no good thing from us, then when we make that move next Saturday, that means that no good thing, not one good thing will have been withheld from us, which means we are receiving the greatest good at that moment. A few of you are nodding. Just if you are... Keep talking. <laughs> Persuade me. But you see the logic. This is what Psalm 84.11 says. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Now, the problem, the question, the problem that comes up means, how could that be? How's that possible? How's that the greatest good? How's this the greatest good? This, all the different trials that we face, how's, how's this the greatest, bringing me the greatest good? It's because our greatest good is not meeting off islands Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. That's not our greatest good. Our greatest good is not living a trial-free life. That's not our greatest good. What is our greatest good? It's nearness to God. It's knowing God's presence through Jesus Christ. Look at what the psalmist said in Psalm 73, 28. He says, but as for me, the nearness of God is my good I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. Your greatest good is God's nearness. 
your greatest joy as a human being is God's nearness through Jesus Christ. Your greatest pleasure by far that you can ever know is beholding God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ, knowing Him. I mean, many of us have tasted of that this morning as we've been worshiping. That is the greatest good by far, by far. That, that's what the psalmist is saying here. Now, trials don't automatically bring us that greatest good, though. It's not just gritting your teeth and, and enduring the trial that, that this greatest good comes. It's not how it happens. The greatest good comes to us as we're struggling through the trial. We take times to open up our Bibles. We sit down, we open up our Bibles, and we seek God's face, and we pour our souls out before Him. This is hard. I mean, there can be tears at those times. I'm, my heart is broken. I'm so disappointed. I'm, this seems like such a setback. So we've we're, we got our Bibles open. We're, we're pouring our souls out before the Lord. We're seeking God's face. But Lord, I know what you promised, and I'm having a hard time trusting you. Help me. And we open up the Scriptures, and we read, and we pray. And we, we meet the Lord. We set our hearts upon Him. My greatest good is you. I know it is, but I'm not really feeling that right now. I want this. Help me. And the Lord will meet us at those times, and we will emerge from those times with more of God's beautiful presence in Christ than we would have had apart from that trial. The greatest good. That's what God promises about these trials. So Grace Church, if God allows this decision to stand, to continue, trust that this trial will bring us the greatest good as a church. It will. More of His presence through Jesus Christ, the greatest good. He promises that. He promises that. So those are the two promises I want to encourage you with. Trials are part of God's loving plan for His people because He uses trials to bring us the greatest good, which is more of His presence in Jesus Christ. Trials are part of God's plan for His people, His loving plan for His people, because God uses trials to bring us even more of His all-satisfying presence in Christ. Now, in light of that, how should we respond to this trial and other trials, whatever trials you're facing right now? How should we respond? Let me give you four answers. First, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord. Look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Been such a comfort to me this week. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding, Steve Fuller. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Oh, this has been comforting to me. I think it's crucial to have churches spread throughout the city. I think that's a crucial part of advancing the gospel. It feels like a setback to me. I struggle to understand how, how this can be good. But God's Word calls me and calls you, and calls all of us to trust Him and don't rely on or lean on our own understanding, which is very small compared to His. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Trust Him. And part of trusting Him means we don't grumble, right? I mean, we're so prone. I'm prone. We're prone to grumble. We're, we're prone to complain. But I thought about Exodus 16.8. Just jot that reference down. The people are grumbling before Moses, people of Israel, about food, water, all the different things they're grumbling about. And Moses says, your grumbling is not against me. It's against the Lord. So we should not grumble against the decision makers here. We should not grumble against the circumstances. Because if we grumble against anything, who are we grumbling against? It's the Lord. Don't, don't grumble. Don't complain. Cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to complain. I want to, I want to grumble. Help me see. Help me feel the truth of who you are here. He's giving us a gift for as long as this lasts. Trust in the Lord with all our hearts. Church, it's, it's right and it's good to humble ourselves and say, I don't get it, but I don't need to get it. I need to trust God. It's good to humble ourselves before the Lord in that way and trust Him. Trust Him. Now, it's not easy to trust Him when you go through trials, is it? It's not easy. I struggle, we all struggle. And so here's my second point. Strengthen your trust by praying over God's promises. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. God gives us the word because he knows our faith will often get weak. So we can open up the word, pray, read, strengthen our faith. So when you're when your faith is moving into discouragement or anxiety or depression, whatever it might be, don't, don't be passive, don't, don't, be, don't be a victim. Say, okay, the, God promises the Word is going to strengthen my faith. And so, open up the Bible, pray, read, say, Lord, my faith is dangerously weak right now. Strengthen me, help me, comfort me, show me who you are, remind me of your promises. And He will do that. He will meet us. And ask Him to strengthen your faith in promises like Philippians 1.29. Open up to Philippians 1.29. For it has been granted, graciously granted to you, that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake. Trust that promise. And then trust Psalm 84.11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Let God use his word to strengthen your faith that trials are part of God's loving plan for you because they will bring you the greatest good, which is knowing him more closely, more really, more specially through Christ. Third, pray that God will deliver us from this trial. Pray. Pray. God wants us to pray. We aren't sure what He's going to do, but He wants us to pray. Pray. Now, you might ask, well, why would we pray? I mean, what's God going to do? These people are, people are making the decisions. God doesn't just change people's minds. Why should we pray? It's because God does change people's minds. God does change people's hearts. Look at Proverbs 21.1. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He, the Lord, 
turns it wherever He will. God's in complete control of every decision every human being makes all the time. Every single decision. That's what God does. He's in control of everything. God changes people's decisions. He can turn that stream of water over here. This is going the wrong way. They're going to turn it right over here. God does that. And so we pray, Lord, change the decision. Change the decision, we ask in Jesus' name. Because He does that. That's what He does. So we pray. And look at what Jesus promises about prayer in Matthew 7, 7 through 11. This has been comforting for me this week too. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Beautiful promises in this passage about prayer. Now, this does not mean that every single time we pray, we're walking uprightly, full of faith, that every time we pray, we're going to get exactly what we're asking for. It doesn't mean that. I mean, think about the Apostle Paul. Paul. You know Paul, right? The Apostle Paul. Three times he prayed that God would remove his thorn in the flesh. Remember that? This is Paul praying. Paul. And God, in great love and wisdom, said to Paul, Paul, no, I'm going to give you more of my presence with the thorn of the flesh. And Paul said, all right then. I'll rejoice in that then. So this promise doesn't mean that God's always going to give you exactly what you're asking for. What does it mean then? Here's how I explain it. See if this makes sense to you. It means that whenever we pray in Jesus' name, God will always give us either exactly what we're asking for or something even better because it'll bring us even more of Him, His presence in Christ. Every single time we pray, God is either going to give you exactly what you're asking for or something even better than that. Better because it's going to bring you even more of God's nearness. That's what it means. Just like Jesus says, if we ask Him for bread, He will never give us a stone. He will never give you less than bread. He may give you bread, exactly what you're asking for, or maybe something better, pizza, chocolate cake, okay? But always either exactly what you're asking for or something better. So no prayer is ever wasted. Everything's always better as a result of praying. Prayer is never wasted. And I want us to keep praying about this decision, about what churches, where churches need to meet. This is going to affect all the churches. We're, we're one of the first because our 
Our contract ends today. Um, I think that's what's going on. There's probably other factors as well. I don't know what they all are. Let's keep praying. And even if we end up off island or on island next Saturday, 4.30 in the afternoon, uh, let's keep praying. Let's keep praying. Okay, fourth encouragement, fourth and last. During this season, press even more deeply into church life. Look at Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another, our brothers and sisters, to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day of Christ's return, the day of Christ's return drawing near. See, God calls every believer to be part of a church community. Every believer. Not just to attend a worship gathering uh, once a week, as important as that is, but to become a family together. To become a body together. The body of Christ where every part is working together, where we're connected together. That's what God calls us to be. Where we rejoice with those who rejoice. Where if you're weeping, we will weep with those who weep. Where we love each other, encourage each other, lay our lives down for each other. That's what Jesus is calling every believer to be a part of, a church family, a church community. This is crucial because it's not easy to maintain passionate, white-hot love for Jesus Christ anywhere in the world, maybe especially Abu Dhabi. It's tough here, isn't it? So easy to get distracted, so easy to become lukewarm, which is dangerous, so easy. So don't let this transition cause you to pull back from church life. Now, I know some of you are, are new to grace, and maybe you're still in the process of deciding which church to be a part of. That's totally fine. But don't any of us make the mistake of pulling back from church life. That is deadly to do. God has given you brothers and sisters. Some church has brothers and sisters God's plan for you to be a part of, and you will be keeping each other praying, strong in faith, white hot love for Jesus Christ, advancing the gospel. We need brothers and sisters, right? I mean, I thought about like this thing, you know, Paul says we're a body, like the body of Christ. So like what if, what if we move from, you know, one apartment to another apartment, one villa to another villa, whatever it might be. What if my thumb says, I'm not going to go, I'm just going to stay here. Well, how long would that thumb stay alive if it was just left back at the old place where I was living? Does that make any sense? Are you just laughing because you're being kind? Okay. <laughs> if, if my thumb decides to stay back at the old place, so bye-bye thumb, how long is that thumb going to stay alive? Not very long. Ask doctors, ask nurses. I think that's right. Not very long. We need each other. And so don't pull back from church life. These kinds of things can be discouraging. It's like, what? What's going on? And, and it's easy to pull back, but don't, don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. So Saturday at 4.30 is a very inconvenient time to meet. I get it. So just plan ahead. Put it in your calendar. Try to avoid conflicts. If conflicts come up, we get it. That happens. But just, okay, Saturday's 4.30. This is my family. I'm part of this body. I'm going to do that. Um, it's, a, it's a longer drive for some of you. Not for all of you. Others, others of you are saying yes, okay? But for some of you, it's a longer drive, okay? So 
Those of you who've been driving a long ways to come here, we appreciate it. Now it's our turn to, to serve you by driving a long way for you. All right, we will do this. Do all you can to press into church life. Join a home group. Strongly encourage you to do that. We have 10 home groups now from downtown to Al Reef to Remyland to MBZ and all, all points in between. So thankful. Become part of a home group, but press in to church life during the season. So Grace Church, two promises God gives us. Trials are part of God's loving plan for His people. Because, second promise, God will use every trial to bring us the greatest good, which is more nearness, more of His nearness in Christ. Two crucial promises and then four takeaways from that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Strengthen your trust by praying over God's promises. Pray that God will deliver us from this trial. And during this season, press even more deeply into church life. So I've asked four people to come and, and lead us in prayer. So the four prayers, why don't you come on up right now? Let's see. In order, we'll, we'll have Vicki Lambeth over on this side here. Then Ernesto here, Alicia here, and Will here. I've asked them to pray for these four. Vicky's going to pray to ask God, help us to trust the Lord with all our hearts. And then Ernesto's going to pray that God will help us to strengthen our trust by praying over his promises. And then Alicia is going to lead us in prayer that God will deliver us from this trial, bring about changes in terms of where churches are going to be meeting. And then Will is going to pray that God will help us press even more deeply into church life. So, Lead us. Let's all join with them um, as they lead us in prayer. Go ahead, Vicki. Okay. Am I on? Okay. I hope you're on. There we go. There we go. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning in humility. Some of us are struggling with current and past trials. We confess that in the midst of our trials, we can lose our faith and trust in you. We confess that our trials become so big that they cast a shadow on our lives blocking out your light and distracting us from what you have called us to do. We confess that we can begin to doubt your plan for our lives. We doubt your sovereignty and your ability to work all things to the good for those who love you. Please forgive us. We humbly ask you to restore our faith and remind us that when we lean on our own understanding, relying on our feelings of anger, disappointment, fear, and hurt to dictate our next decision, that this is not what your word calls us to do. Help us to trust in you with all our hearts, to remember your teachings, to hold fast to your word and bind them around our necks. Help us to cry out to you in the midst of our trials, because your word says that when we do this, you will make our path straight. Yes. You will make a way. We love you, Lord. And we trust that even when things don't make sense to us, we can have faith that all trials will turn out for our good and your glory. Amen. Mm -hmm.
Amen. Yes. Philippians 4, 5 through 6 says, The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Mm. Father, we thank you that you are a God who desires for us to bring our requests to you, God, that you call us to not walk with anxiety, um, looking for the unknown, but that you ask us to come to you in our needs. Mm-hmm. So we come today asking that you would open the doors necessary for us to continue to meet our highlights. Father, we ask that you would make a way. Um, while it makes sense in our heads for us to meet on yachts, God, and all of the different access you are giving us to the communities and neighborhoods around us, Father, we know that this is in your hands. So we trust you. Um, and we also wait on you, God. We wait for you to answer our prayers. And we just pray you would continue to allow us to meet you here for your glory and for our good. Amen. Let's all stand. You all can go back to your seats. Worship team coming up. I'm going to pray. Thank you for your promises and that you have always kept every one of your promises perfectly. So thank you, Lord, that trials are part of your loving plan for us. We can trust you for that and that you use trials to bring us the greatest good, which is more of your presence in Christ. So help us to trust you with all our hearts. Help us to strengthen our trust when it gets weak by praying over your promises. Help us to pray that you will lift this trial from us, that you'll bring about changes, Lord. And help us during this season to press even more deeply into church life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.